All right, everybody, welcome back to the HC Conversations podcast. Uh, we're going to jump right into things today because we don't really have any kind of updates in our personal right. lives. Not that you probably care all that much anyway. Um, but we got a lot to talk about today. And I'm just saying right off the bat, grab you some Tums because it's going to get spicy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both a little fired up right it's now. It's been an interesting, uh, I guess, news week, maybe just the weekend. Um, the, the weekend has been spicy, so that's where we're going. Um, so today, the weekend has been hot garbage. The, is what it's been. the <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's like we have a compost bucket at home, oh, and gosh. after you dump it out, there's like this brown ooze slime in it. That's mm. like what the news weekend was. Mm. Just and, disgusting. And as we're going to discover, uh, sadly. It's mostly Christians responsible for it. So. Yes, but before we get into that, let's okay. talk about uh, COVID-19. <laughs> you going to do it? COVID-19! Lil Casey. Oh my gosh. I, we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but if you've not seen like the little funny remixes of Kenneth Copeland shouting COVID-19, you need to. You will never um, hear COVID-19 the same. I, anytime someone says COVID-19, I just... It's really sad. I picture him in my head, and I'm just like, that guy's creepy, um, just gross COVID in terms 19. of not a representation of what Christianity is, but that's what I think. COVID-19! Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about COVID because today... This is some good news, actually. This is good news. So, I mean, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, at work, I'm making plans for the second half of the year to potentially do some stuff on site with real people, not that online stuff isn't with real people, but to actually be able to host some things on site at work and not have to cancel them. It's like a Pinocchio thing going on, you know, like the online version of us. It's real. Just like Pinocchio was a real puppet. I'm a real boy. Exactly. We're going to come back and actually do stuff in like physical proximity. Right. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, so it's I'm like, a real boy. I'm excited <laughs> about that. Um, mostly because the, the vaccine. So today is Monday, January 14th. It's first. not January. December. You just skipped a whole month. <laughs> December 14th. You skipped Christmas. Oh, Is this no. Christmas with the cranks? No. Skipping, skipping Christmas We're this not year? skipping Christmas. We just watched it, so that's in my mind. Um, so it's December 14th. Yes, it is. And let's see. Eight minutes ago, the first doses of the vaccine you, arrived at distribution centers oh, across the United States. time even? 1030, huh? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Ah, 1030 cool. a.m. It cool. was going to arrive, so... That's good news. That's exciting. This is the Pfizer um, one, right? Yeah, this is the Pfizer Moderna one, uh, or no, Pfizer, Pfizer BioNTech. Yeah, Moderna made Moderna their, made their own. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's probably coming pretty soon too. Uh, I think it, they might have. I think they already applied for emergency authorization use. So, cool, that's cool. good. Yeah. Um, so, in I guess just out of curiosity for myself and just as a pastor, people asking about the vaccine, I'm like. I should do a little bit of research. Yeah, there's some a lot of misinformation out there. There is, because I'm like, at first I was like, you know, this is a brand new vaccine. I don't know that I want to be first in line to take it, um, not really knowing what side effects are. <laughs> it's like, shoot me up full of that good stuff right there. Right. <laughs> Why um, not? <laughs> and then after doing the research, number one, finding out that out of any vaccine trial in history, the ones for COVID vaccine are the largest ever. Ever. Ever, so, ever, ever. Uh, but like, like just because it was ha just because it happened fast didn't mean there wasn't a, a lot of trials done. Right. Yeah. There was actually more trials right. done. <laughs> so it's more than likely the safest vaccine that we will ever receive. Mm -hmm. um, who knows? They could become even more safe. Yeah. Um, 
But after I, doing some research, I, I would volunteer right now to go get a COVID vaccine. That's right. Find me a vein. Let's go. <laughs> no, just yeah, it's right not, there. Yeah. I, don't have, I don't think I have very good veins anyway. But yeah, it's just, just find a chunk of muscle mass and shoot it right in there. Right. There you go. So the, the way the, the vaccine works um, is it's unlike any uh, vaccine that is currently on the market that we have gotten where they use like a deactivated virus. Instead, what this uses is basically like a common cold virus shell because with a special filling <laughs> with a special <laughs> filling. Um, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so it's, it's a, basically a common cold virus shell, uh, that has basically its contents have been removed. Uh, so that virus particle cannot replicate. So mm -hmm. once it's in your body, it can't make more of itself. Instead, what they've done is inserted the messenger RNA. So in our bodies, we have DNA and, then RNA, RNA is used to make proteins. Um, and so that viral particle goes uh, to our cells with the, that coding, it delivers it to our cells. Inside our cells that mRNA is released, goes to our ribosomes where they it's, read it. It's like biology class. It is, it's basically biology. Dude, That's all this is. Mrs. Slayton would be so proud I of you I know right she now. would. Mrs. Slayton, if you're watching, shout out to you. I, I remember you this awesome. stuff from Mrs. Slayton's class. Um, so the ribosomes then make the amino acids that become the protein. And so the mRNA encodes for the protein spike on the outside of the coronavirus or the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Mm -hmm. um, so once the, the protein... Uh, the amino acids have been made. It is assembled into the little spike, which is then carried outside of our cells, where it then attaches to uh, our cells because that's just what that protein does. And then our body sees that that protein spike shouldn't be there. And so then it sends... Um, I'm going to get you. Right. It ramps <laughs> up its defenses, basically. Our B and T cells uh, then memorize that and say, okay, if I see that again... We've got these antibodies to yeah, and so it works with our body's natural chemistry to yeah. Tr tricks your body into thinking, yeah. hey, I got to make some. And so some, it's uh, unlike a, an actual virus. So if you would actually get uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, where that virus then infects your cells and tells your cells to make copies of itself, um, your body isn't making copies of a virus. Instead, it's making copies of a single protein. Once that mRNA is transcribed and begins to make um, the protein, it dissolves. Like your body naturally will break it down. Um, so it, it does very much kind of trick your, your body's natural immune system response then. Right. Right. Because your, your, uh, like your immune system thinks there's a real virus there, but it's actually just something that's kind of mimicking that right. virus. It's just the, the spike protein. Yeah. That's it. So it's, it's like, and, and that way it is, like you said, it's, you know, safer than a lot of vaccines right, that we because currently your body, we use, but right. Your body doesn't have to make any copies of a true virus. Right. Yeah. So that, that's all good news. And like, I, I was reading a couple things too. And that whole idea of like the MRNA, like that's pretty new and that's very cutting edge, but they've been working on it for like 30 years. Right. It's just now, okay, here's like the specific, like this specific virus is, is kind of like what we're looking to, uh, to treat with it. And so it's like the foundation for this vaccine has been around for the last several decades. And so it's not like this, this was something that they had to start building from the ground floor right. this year. 
It's been in use for uh, several decades, especially when it comes to very specific types of cancers. They can use mRNA to target those cancer cells and destroy them, which is really pretty cool Mm -hmm. that they can do that. Um, The mRNA in no way interacts with our DNA, so it can't alter our DNA, which I think that's a concern that people have being an mRNA vaccine, but that's not how uh, mRNA works. I think what else I was going to say. Oh, there was some concern that perhaps our bodies would become immune to the the vaccine because it's using a viral shell to deliver the mRNA. Um, but I think that would be, and I, by by no means am I a biologist or Dr. an expert. Paul. I've got <laughs> I've got a bachelor's of horticulture, which is a science degree, and yeah, close enough, right? <laughs> and a the, master's of theology. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey. I'm just trying to unpack what I have learned. But, I'm not the expert. This is. But hey, most people who like are arguing against it right now are like, well, I read something on the internet. So I, I saw a really <laughs> funny meme the other day. Uh, a friend at work showed it to me. Um, and it was comparing the the vaccine research. So like a person in a lab doing research mm-hmm. and then the anti-vax research. And it was a picture of somebody sitting on their toilet with their phone. <laughs> See, that's one thing that I always go to. I, we, we, uh, because of, I think, the internet and things, we are, are so, as a people, like just skeptical of anybody who's an expert. And it's like, no, experts are good. Like, right. if, we if, need experts. If you, sp- if you spent, you know, four, eight, 12, 16, how many years like studying something, we should listen to you. Right. <laughs> and, and like the, the overwhelming majority on a lot of the, well, not just the vaccine stuff, but like just the medical practices for keeping us safe right now. It's like the, the, the vast majority of the medical community says, yeah, we should do these things. It's like, okay, that's, that's probably who I'm going to take my yeah. cues from. Um, right. So, yeah. um, so I guess getting back to where I was going before we got off track. Yeah, that happens um, a lot. As far as being able to establish resistance to this, this viral particle, um, I think that's unlikely just because our body isn't making replicate or yeah, isn't replicating that virus. So there's not a whole lot of it actually in our body. Um, instead, it's making that little protein. Nope, which is what we want resistance to. Yeah. Um, so speaking of experts, I did some research because I knew, well, I know someone who, uh, who's doing her postdoctoral research on COVID-19. And yeah, so she always has a lot of good information, dumbs it down for people that aren't <laughs> PhDs. Yeah, who aren't doctors, um, yeah. So she actually did her PhD at Ohio State um, on the campus where I'm located, um, under Dr. Safe, who is a nationally, internationally recognized coronavirus expert, um, and really knows her stuff. And so Dr. Langle did her research under her and now she's at the Duke university Institute for vaccine technology. I think that's the correct title of that big title. Um, so she knows her stuff. I trust her because I know her. Yeah. She was Fair queen when I was fair king. Whoa. Yeah, the fair, <laughs> Way back in the 4-H the days. Fair connection. So, I, well, that, That's pretty cool too because I feel like that would throw a bunch of people's stereotypes just under the bus of like, you know, someone who is involved in 4-H and fair and stuff is now like a big time doctor studying things, working for Duke University. And it's probably not the picture you would have. It's like, you yeah, know what? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So it's like you can take your stereotypes and shove them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation. I didn't do. You did a lot of research for that. Uh, I my research was basically whatever I scrolled through social media and saw the ridiculous things that were being posted, and I just I wanted to punch reach people. the screen and punch people. I actually read part of the uh, FDA their uh-huh. like 
study. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read all of it because like the, re- the methods part, like that doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but like the intro. Some good bedtime reading. Yeah. And like the conclusion, some of the other things yeah, I read I just, through. I know. Like some of the things, just in general, when you see, some, when you see something on the internet, you don't have to believe it or at least read the article and use some deductive reasoning. I mean, right. I don't know how many things I saw. You know, I saw, I showed you that meme that was like a scene from I am legend and it says, remember and I am Le- in legend. It wasn't the, wasn't the disease that created the zombies. It was the vaccine. I'm like, Okay, that's a fictional movie. Are we really going to base our science off of a Will Smith movie? Right, and again, there's, Good golly. there's no microchip because they don't have to microchip us. We've oh, willingly gosh, accepted yes. a microchip. Yeah, okay. the whole microchip, it's the mark of the beast. No, oh. it's not. That's reading things into the Bible that are not there, right. and we've kind of talked about that before. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Stop it. Right. That actually ties in pretty good with where we're going next. Oh, gosh. Talking Jesus. about end times stuff. Do we have to? I don't want to talk about. But we're scraping it out the bottom of our compost bucket as we as we scrape out the brown nasty sludge of our compost bucket. Um, the brown nasty sludge of the weekend was called the Jericho March. I mean that that right there may have just made some people pretty mad that I referred to it um, that way. But hopefully we'll unpack this a little bit and take a deep breath, Phil. Try to do it. Don't let them mess with your chi, Phil. Get your chi, take your chi back. Um, you threw me off with your psych reference. Uh, oh, just, I don't know if we've ever actually straight come out and said it on this show, but if you're looking for a series to binge on and you've never seen Psych, would highly recommend it. Yep. It's probably my favorite TV show. Christy and I have watched through it several times. Love it. But um, anyway, I'm, tr- we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to try not to be angry. Uh, and judgmental towards people who I vehemently disagree with. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of things we need to call out uh, in terms of what we're seeing, specifically as it relates to this Jericho march, is n- it, it is not Christianity. And no. it looks nothing like Jesus. Um, and we could, we could spend like, I don't know, probably hours really nuancing it and, and talking about all of it. Uh, but I think we just want to hit some of the, I don't want to call them high points because <laughs> they were the, low points. Some of the lo- extremely low points some from of the, this. the major themes. Um, and uh, I don't know, just try to, uh, just to paint a better picture of, okay, what does following Christ look like specifically in our public engagement? Mm-hmm. Because it's not um, what we're seeing. So if, if you're unfamiliar with what happened over the I hope you are unfamiliar with what happened over the weekend. Um, in fact, I'm sorry if this is your first time hearing about it, and so you're going to go look it up. Uh, but there was... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I feel like, you know, we're just we're trying to bring things to, to light and try to talk about it from a Christian perspective. So here we go. Right. There was this thing called the Jericho March. It was in Washington. It was on, like, the National Mall. Um, and uh, it was a bunch of... Was supposed to be a, like a Christian organized thing, um, a big rally to basically, I guess, show support for President Trump and uh, pray and announce and declare that he's won the election. And I mean that he's Lord. Whoa, whoa! We're not Paul. We're trying to be nice, <laughs> but that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, and so where the idea comes from is, I think this is gonna be a good place to start. We're gonna start with this foundation of misunderstanding the old testament all right sound good yeah 
So where it comes from is there's, there is an account in the, uh, the Old Testament um, about when the nation of Israel, they, they come out of slavery in Egypt, they wander in the wilderness for like 40 years, they're at the edge of the promised land, and they're, they're going to go in and, and conquer the promised land, and the first place that they come upon really is the city of Jericho. And uh, they're given these weird instructions to march around the city uh, seven different times. On the seven, each time, like <laughs> each lap around, they blow this shofar, which is this big horn-looking thing made out of a ram's horn. Made out of a ram's horn. Uh, although I always picture, you know, the Ricola commercials. <laughs> I know that's not accurate, but that's what I think yes. of in my head. <laughs> See, I was thinking. The whole time you're talking about marching around Jericho, the VeggieTales version. Mm. Keep walking, because yeah. you won't knock down our well. Actually, you got to sing like the French peas. Uh, yeah, the French I, can't do I don't have a French peas voice. Um, so anyway, walking around, walking around, whatever. And then on the, the seventh time around, you blow the shofar seven times, and then the city walls fall down. Okay. So that that's the story that people are drawing on. Okay, we're, this is the Jericho march. We're uh, metaphorically, I don't know, circling... Our nation, right? I'm not sure I mean, really what, they, what the they were trying is. to circle, like basically the nation's capital and the strongholds of our nation's government, mm. where you know so powers of darkness dwell. That <laughs> powers of darkness dwell in our nation's government. That's interesting. That was in the one article I read. I know it's just a whole goes against very much what the Apostle Paul says. We do not make war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And okay, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So the, I mean, uh, the, people could make the <sighs> argument you're talking about powers and principalities because, I mean, there is that conspiracy theory that says you know a lot of our our leaders like Hillary Clinton, they're actually alien reptiles. And conspiracy theories are going to play a part of this too because there was a guest appearance by the king of conspiracy theories at this Jericho march, um, but we're not there yet. Okay. So they, 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 there's this big rally, and about the only thing that even represents. The, the story of Jericho, um, the walls falling in scripture is there were shofars <laughs> at this Jericho march and they were blown many times. Shofar, show well. Yeah, apparently there's a, there's a, uh, I think he's, I don't know if he's a rabbi or something or he's just a shofar player, but. He's like he, the world's greatest. Yeah. Showed up. He, I, the website is shofar so good, I think. Something like that. Shofar so good. Like so, thought, it's like so far yeah. so good, shofar, whatever. He showed up and played a shofar. Um, and there Two, was there was a time. red, white, and blue shofar that I believe was labeled the Trump shofar. Uh, the I don't know the symbolism, the idolatry, the uh, just grossness was through the roof at this thing. So that that's the event that happened. Um, Paul, do you have anything to add on that? And I, we'll start picking some more pieces of it apart. No, when we talk about I was completely just disgusted when I was right whenever I was reading about you know what went down yeah um so let's briefly overview for a, a moment just the Old Testament aspect of this and just in terms of the the vast misunderstanding <laughs> of what this is this is how do I want to say this because the 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 some of the things that we saw coming out of this are seen some of the things that, that are being seen in this particular event, um, flow out of a lot of how, how Christians throughout centuries have viewed the old Testament. Mm -hmm. That's kind of just wrong. Right. Um, there is an idea of, 
what like taking back to Jericho and the conquest of Canaan, the conquest of the, the promised land, which looking in the historical and literary context, for the most part, we probably don't even understand the right way, but just the idea of go into this land and take it. It's yours. Like that's kind of the attitude um, that, that a lot of, uh, that, that this event kind of takes. And throughout history, we've seen this happen. And we, we take a, an account in the Old Testament and we try to map that onto our lives right now. Right. And say, well, not realizing, okay, that was God's instruction that we're mostly misunderstanding. God's instruction to the nation of Israel at, at that place, at that time, in that world that they lived in. That is not his instruction to us today. But right. this idea of go in and conquer the promised land because you're God's people is what has led to things like the Crusades. It's what's led to things like the Spanish Inquisition. It's what led to manifest destiny in the United States because this is God's land. We are the new Israel, the new, and that's just bad theology. And so we can just wipe it out. We can exterminate native peoples. We can take whatever we want because this is our promised land. Tell that <sighs> to 631 million Christians living in Africa. <laughs> so there's like 300 million people in the United States. Yes. That's and 631 million Christians in Africa. Yeah. So, Tell them that America is their promised land. So, so like the basis is kind of rooted in that idea that, okay, we want to conquer like in, in this kind of this, this show of, of might and power and strength and violence, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is where it's a blending of, I like uh, Andy Stanley will talk about this, like blending the covenants. You have the mm -hmm. old covenant with, that was with the nation of Israel, not with us, with the nation of Israel. Then you have the new covenant under Jesus, which is for all people at all times, everywhere. Right. It's defined by the cross. But we like to mix and match and say, oh, we like the, the new covenant of Jesus dying for my personal sins, but I want that. I want the old covenant of God, get them, kill my enemies. <laughs> and I mean, this is, this has roots back all the way back in the Protestant Reformation because, you know, great. Everybody should be able to have access to the scriptures and be able to read the scriptures for themselves. That was a great thing to be able to not have the church tell you what scripture is saying. But at the same time, it was also very bad because then you could interpret scripture for yourself and outside of a faith community also part of that um you, you have this desire to scrub the bible of anything jewish because uh the just the anti-semitism at that time was very high during the reformation uh because what well, was seen that the jews killed jesus and so therefore we need to reject the jews the jews are bad um and in doing so we've forgotten a lot of the the jewish heritage <laughs> of the nature we've forgotten the fact that jesus was jewish, jewish that the entire old testament was written to the jewish people at a certain time in a certain place in a particular cultural context and not only that and then also the, then the new covenant the new testament it is the fulfillment and completion of that jewish story right <laughs> like you can't you can't you can't separate the, the two of them but that also doesn't mean that you blend the two of them together they're distinct mm -hmm. but the new is very much dependent upon the old right yeah. So you, you have an event that is rooted in a understanding of the Old Testament that is just wrong. <laughs> and then you have the specifics and the details of said event and just kind of the mentality behind it. Um, so the mentality behind this is 
or not the mentality, the thing that's driving it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is we had an election. Uh, President Trump lost the election. There's a portion of the population, specifically there, there's a portion of conservative Christians who are not willing to accept that reality and think that it has all been stolen. Right. In spite of the fact that there is zero evidence, um, all the state Supreme courts have basically looked at their evidence, their evidence, which was not there and rejected their claims. Mm -hmm. This U S Supreme court on Friday rejected, um, some of their pleas. Yes. Because there is zero evidence that there was widespread voter fraud, but yet you have this narrative saying that, well, the fact that we can't you know, find the evidence just gives more credence to the fact that there actually was widespread voter fraud, that the election was stolen from President Trump. Yeah, and, and here, this, is, this isn't just with this issue. This is on a lot of things on both sides that whenever... I guess this is this is very much conspiracy theory ish, but whenever the evidence doesn't match up with what I I'm saying reality is, well then that's just because they're in on it, right? I like just, that's what we're seeing. I a just lot moved of. the goalpost. Yeah, I mean, like, because like, so there there has not been like a win in any of these court cases in terms. I think of, there was one. there's one. Okay, sorry, <laughs> I missed that one out but of one out of like fifty some. Yeah. Um, and there has been no kind of win that's been enough to move an election. Like, right. oh, we've seen hundreds of thousands of votes, you know what I mean, that have been. But but so then, like, the rebuttal just becomes, well, well, they're in on it. The courts are in on it. And the individual states are in on it. So it's like, well, but to, to say that then, you have to say that all these individual states and the attorney generals and the state courts, many of which are held by conservatives, that they're like that there is this massive conspiracy that includes conservatives and liberals and all these different states and all these different courts and let alone all the the, the justices that Trump has appointed. Yeah, I was saying not just at the Supreme Court, but district courts. Yeah, district courts. <laughs> like like that, that all of oh them are goodness. in on this. Uh, and then you've also got to then look and say, okay, well then why was it only at the top of the ticket? Why wasn't it down ticket? Why wasn't there a sweeping, like a, you know, the, 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 the blue wave that they talked about? It's like, I don't know, maybe we just need to accept reality. Right. And this is then where we get into, well, rea we live in a world now where reality is whatever the heck you want it to be. Right. Where there, there doesn't have to be any logic. Cause if you want to say that the election was stolen, that all these courts are in on it, then you'd have to conclude that also Donald Trump is in on this as well because he appointed all these justices that are supposedly in on it. So we're living in this world where it's like, I'm going to make my own truth. I'm going to do whatever. And that's interesting because from a Christian perspective, like Christians have kind of uh, like uh, fought it, not fought against that, but have like bemoaned that, or, I mean, just railed against that idea for a long time. Like we need truth. We need truth. We need truth. But I'm like, until it comes to something when it's a truth that doesn't match what we want, right. then we're all for making our own truth. And, and then we spiritualize it. So this was one of the themes of this Jericho March and some of the organizers of it, of an idea that just says, I don't, Oh gosh, I wish I could find the exact quote. It's from Eric Metaxas where he said, I, I don't need the evidence to know in my heart 
that this is what happened in terms of like voter, like that there being a fraud and Trump actually should have won. Like, I, I don't care what the evidence says. I know in my heart, it's a faith proposition. Right. Um, yeah, one, I think he just said that um, in an interview this week. Yeah. It's like, I know in my, it's like, what? Now here's an issue. A lot of people think that's how Christian faith actually works. Like people on the outside of Christian faith think that's what it is. Well, you just believe this because you, you've chosen to. There's a lot of Christians that believe you just believe this because you've chosen to. But that's not actually what faith is. Faith is based on evidence. Right. <laughs> like at least the Christian faith. It is, I've, I've looked at the evidence for who Jesus was. He was absolutely a real person. He was absolutely crucified. I think there's overwhelming uh, evidence both in the the um, the authenticity and the reliability of the biblical text plus the extra biblical sources and the, the history surrounding it to believe that he rose from the dead. And so based on that evidence, I'm choosing to put my faith in him. Um, and because I've seen him show up over and over, I choose to put my faith in him in the future as well. It's evidence-based faith. It's, it's I have a history and an experience. It's not blind faith. And so there is that confusion of what like Christian faith is, but then that's what we're seeing here mm-hmm. of just like, well, no, you just have blind faith. All the evidence points in a different direction. You just have to believe it. But I'm choosing to believe it anyway. And along with that, you have the people say, I mean, the, the entire Jericho march got us, I guess, idea and movement with Metaxas, another man who said I don't even know the other guy's name. God told me. I had a vision. I had a vision mm-hmm. that this was happening and God told me to do this. That's dangerous. I guess that's very dangerous. And, and then you have Metaxas saying, well, you don't have to, you know, if, if you had a vision, that's good enough. We don't have to, to test it. There doesn't have to be any evidence. Do you have that. that little section of the article or not? Um, I don't. Uh, whatever. Uh, but there, there's so the, this was an article in the American Conservative. Okay, so this is from a oh, wait, there it is. conservative perspective. This is not like on the left. Some people railing against this. This is like people have been like conservative my whole uh, my whole life. Which, by the way, you may be mad at me right now, but that's kind of the camp that I would lean towards. I'm still pretty conservative in my thinking, although like in certain areas. Actually, scrap that. I'm just more Jesusy in my thinking in all areas. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you got to call the garbage out when you yeah. see it. Um, uh, so, so this the, is Eric Metaxas. When God gives you a vision, you don't need anything else. You don't need and anything else. And then later on, uh, oh, that's the same thing over yeah. again. But the guy who's writing this article, um, I think his name is Rod Dreher. Um, he's known Metaxas for like 20 years and he can remember a conversation that he had with him like 20 years ago on a theological issue that was like, well, God just told me this. Um, and there's the comment that that's a very prominent theme in American evangelical thought. Right. And it's a dangerous thing because if you just go with, well, God told me, well, how do you know that? What are you holding that up against? Are you sure that wasn't just something you ate last night that didn't agree with you that told you that and you had a weird dream? Hey, I have weird dreams sometimes when I eat weird things or like, what was I watching before I went to bed that night or what's on my mind that week? And so talk about this, what's on your mind that week. So you're, if you're already of the position that you're pretty conservative and you think that the, this election has been stolen and you think that Trump is God's guy, you don't think that that might put thoughts in your head that you have those kind of dreams, right? Right. Like, so I'm just, what, what are you holding it up against to test this vision? Whether it's, um, you know, around the election or not, this is just an issue uh, of God told me. I think that God does still speak to people in that way. Um, 
which is different than my upbringing because my upbringing was like no no like <laughs> the spiritual gifts have ceased like it's all just it's just done now um but no i don't think that's the case i i think that that i i think they may not be as prominent but the miraculous gifts still exist i think sometimes that people have visions and they have dreams and they have uh, maybe like a word of what we would call prophecy or um of wisdom and knowledge and all that kind of stuff but here's the thing in the New Testament church, when those things come up, they're always like brought before the church. Right. And there are, well, we were talking about this before, there's like checks and balances almost to some of the spiritual gifts where, yes, yeah, someone, someone, someone says, oh, I have this you know, prophetic vision. Well, then there's somebody else who's like got the gift of like knowledge and wisdom and discernment. And they're like, well, hold up a second. <laughs> we got to compare these two things. Right. Or someone's got the gift of tongues and someone else is like, well, you got to have someone who can interpret that. But we've lost that entirely because of how individualistic we've made Christianity right. to where it's like, well, I had a vision. God told me. And part of that goes back to because we've made faith all about personal salvation. It's, it's all it's about me, 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 me and me. God and the fact that I'm saved and not actually the King Jesus gospel that, you know, God is creating for himself a new people. A people, plural. A people, people not, not just a person. you, yeah. a people. And then faith then lives out in community. And so... I'm not telling you to you say, hey, you feel like you had a vision from God or God spoke to you. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Some people say they have, and I'm not here to say that they have. And I'm like, well, that's, that would probably like make me pee my pants if that <laughs> happened, okay? Um, but like, great, but here's the thing. If, if you maybe have that experience, are you living out your faith in a faith community of people who can, who can check you on that? Right. Don't surround yourself with people that all agree with you because that's not good either because you're like, well, yeah, they all said it's true. But are you surrounding yourself with people who are, following Jesus that you can uh, bring that to and they can speak wisdom into your life. And then are you checking it against scripture? Right. Like, cause we do see that, that that's where um, I guess my more conservative upbringing theologically would be like, we don't need any of the miraculous gifts anymore because we have scripture. That's all we need. Mm -hmm. And then, then people on the other side say, well, we've got visions and stuff from God and that's all we need. It's like, no, no, no. You got both. You need both, right? Um, it's that spirit and truth kind of aspect. Um, so yeah, this Jericho movement or march or whatever was born out of someone said, I had a vision of this big march on Washington, so it must be from God. Isn't God incredible? That was a theme that kept and, coming up too. And because it's of the evangelical camp, there's no church hierarchy. There's no church structure. There's no history. Yeah to give this any any grounding. And so we can say, well, that's good enough. You had a vision. We don't have to check it against scripture or yeah. church history or anything. Yeah. American, There's been none of that. American evangelicals, Protestants, are very like deathly allergic to church structure. Um, Which is funny for us to say because we're non-denominational. Right. Well, <laughs> there's something to be learned here because like, you know, growing up again, kind of, in the American church culture, and it was a non-denominational, it was a non-denominational denomination, like we like to refer to it. It was a non-denominational church, and but there is just there's this idea of like, ooh, structure is bad. Um, especially you start about like the Catholic Church, ooh, like bad, bad, bad. Or and then even like mainline denominational that there's, hey, you know what we we have, you know, I don't I don't know what they're called, where you've got like someone like a bishop over a region, over several churches, like that kind of thing but there's a history there to lean on to right. say, okay, we've been here before. What did those who went before us? Like, what did, what did they think? What did they decide? What can we learn from them? Um, now I understand the, the, 
the the apprehension about that though, because then it can, be, and this was really what the you know the Protestant Reformation was born out of. When it comes becomes all about tradition and all about that structure and where the past has been and what the church says. Well, that's a problem too. But again, we gotta have this balance. Like you and I, over the past couple of years, really have, I think, gained much more appreciation for. Right. Like mine was when I did my master's. Yeah. Like the, the more high church kind of thing. It's like, we still want to be non-denominational and we're like, we're not like going all liturgical and stuff, but there's things that we can learn from right. that. Uh, a quote that sticks out in my mind. Uh, I think it was, it was by an author that I read in college. Uh, his name was Leo Perdue. And he said, the past has a vote, but it cannot issue a veto. That's good. That's good. Say that again, Paul. The past has a vote, but it cannot issue a veto. Mm. So it's like, yes, the past is important, and we should look to history, but at the same time, history can't say no. Can't say, well, we've not done that before. Right. Yeah, but, right. but it's like, okay, let's learn from the past. Let's learn from the past, um, but let's not live there. That's kind of like that, that idea. Yeah, so that 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 is, a, I think, a big issue behind this, the individualism of, like, God told me we got to do this. It's like, well... Okay, um, so moving on, right? That, that's, where, that's where this thing is kind of rooted. So <laughs> I just want to, so there's a couple Catholic bishops that are named in this article oh, that were part of the, the, uh, the Jericho March. Jericho March. And they're, you know, they're supposedly conservative Catholic bishops, but yet they have cast off the church history and structure of the Catholic Church, which is a beautiful thing and a necessary thing well, in favor of American politics. That's the issue. And that is true liberalism. They, well, we've, we've conflated the terms conservative and liberal, liberal in terms of politically versus theologically. Right. I don't, and I know you don't either. Like I would, if somebody asked me like where I'm at theologically, I won't use the terms conservative or liberal anymore. I say orthodox right. because it's like, no, 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 there's too much baggage. And so these supposed conservative Catholic priests that were there, I'm like, yeah, you're probably politically conservative, but in terms of like the Catholic church and theology, uh-uh. Right. All right. <laughs> so so yeah. continue on. Okay. So it, it's this, this March, right? It's a misunderstanding of go and conquer and do all this. And then there's the whole idea of God gave me this vision. Um, then let's just get to, the rhetoric that was used because that, I think this is the most disturbing part. Yeah. Um, the rhetoric that's used, the position that's taken is not, is not the way of the cross. It is not the way of Jesus. And it, it kind of goes back to that idea of conquer, you know, conquest and, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't, I don't grasp in my mind how anybody can look at Jesus, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, um, and even what's shed upon him, like what the light that's shed on him from the Old Testament even, and say the way of Jesus is to power up against your enemies and, and to seek worldly power right. and, and then try to co-opt everybody else into thinking the way that you think we, we never see that we never see that in the in the in the new testament for sure mm -hmm. in the old testament we do see this idea of a theocracy where like god is in charge of the nation but again that was for a specific people at a specific time that was for the nation of israel under the old covenant and the entire point of the old covenant 
was to get us to the new one. Right. And it's here now. Right. And not only that, but Israel did have a theocracy. And that was like, okay, we're God's people and we're going to, the nations around us, whatever, we're God's people, we're going to conquer you. And it didn't work for them. No. <laughs> Why do we think it would work for us? Yeah. A, a, a quote that stands out from this was, um, you know, it's, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Hasn't the 20th century taught us anything about whenever somebody claims that they can take us to utopia? utopia. Um, whenever somebody says that you should run, because that's basically the idea is with the Jericho marches is that, you know, we can restore Trump and, um, you know, we should take basically take things back mm-hmm. and create our version of utopia. Yeah. And if you're not with us, you're against us. And so we should destroy you. I mean, that, that was the rhetoric that was used. Yeah. A couple of things. I want to respond okay. to what you just said. You just said, if you aren't with us, you're against us. And that was some of the rhetoric that was used. And that is the complete opposite of what Jesus said. He said, anybody who's not against you, <laughs> like if they're not against you, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. Okay. Um, this rhetoric you kind of paraphrase that quote, but I want to give him the, the, like the little section exactly because I okay. think it's so big. So this one speaker gets up during this and he says this, the final mission to ending this high, tre- or who announced that this is the final mission to ending this high treason. He likened the crowd to soldiers preparing for war to restore Eden. We are here to save earth and its inhabitants. We are not here to save earth and its inhabitants. Like Jesus has done that already. We are here to participate in what he has already done. Right. To live in the reality of the kingdom that's already here, a kingdom that is not like the kingdoms of this war world, a kingdom that does not make war against our enemies, a kingdom that does not say we will take whatever by force. That's what people wanted Jesus to be the first time he came. And, and he Jesus said, that's said, not no. who I am. No, I'm going to be the suffering servant. So we, and like, we, we are here? Like, this is a pastor saying, we are here to save earth? Like, that's like straight up heresy, man. Yeah. Like, that is not, we are not here to save earth. We can't save earth. We can't even save ourselves. What is he saying? And then the author said, listen to me. In the 20th, if the 20th century tells us anything, it's that whenever you hear anyone standing before a crowd, winding them up about the cause of creating utopia here on earth, you had better run. Because you, cre- you can't create utopia on earth. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We talked about the kingdom. You, you cannot create utopia on earth without eliminating everybody who disagrees right. with you. This is, this is why Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, okay? That's how this world works. That's not how, that's not how my kingdom works. Right. Now, there, is, there are certain uh, you know, the- theological disagreements when it comes to the use of violence in the Christian faith and pacifism. Mm-hmm. Um, we would fall more on the Anabaptist side. Yeah, that, Anabaptist! You know, says that we should follow Jesus and how he... In his in the Sermon on the Mount, basically, and how yeah. he said, you Take know, the Sermon on the Mount is the Kingdom Manifesto. Right. This is it. Turn the other cheek, love your enemy, pray not, for those, pray for those who you. persecute you. Jesus Himself, um, you know, demonstrating this by allowing evil to to kill him uh, and not choosing to use his power to kill mm-hmm. them. And I think there's a difference too between like pacifism versus nonviolence, right? Because not like the nonviolence of the kingdom of God is not because we like we think pacifism is passive. You know what I mean? Like it's no, no, it's not. Uh, it, it is actually the only way that you defeat the powers of this world. This is this is what made like the nonviolence of MLK so powerful. Right. It's like 
you, you can beat us, you can kill us, you can do whatever, but we won't respond in like kind. Right. Like that's, it's that nonviolent resistance. It's that um, like submissive subversion or whatever yeah. of like, do not fear those who can destroy the body, mm -hmm. but only him who can destroy the body in hell or the soul in hell. Yeah. And, and again, you know, even let's go back to the old Testament and what did that look like? And we were talking about this before too. They go into exile. They're in Babylon. God's message through the prophets and through the prophet Jeremiah specifically is while you're there, you're not trying to, you know, stage a coup. You're not trying to violently overthrow Babylon while you're in Babylon. He says, seek the good of the city where you live. Right. You can carry it off into Babylon, seek the good of Babylon. Right. And then you have Daniel become one of the high officials yeah. in, in this kingdom and, of Babylon. And, Ra and Rack Shack and Benny. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Veggie Tales version. But yeah, they, they take they take Babylonian jobs, they take Babylonian names, they work for the king. The only thing that they won't do is bow down and worship <laughs> the bunny. Babylon. Well, the bunny, but <laughs> the Babylon and the ways of Babylon and the powers is like, no, that, that's the one thing we won't do. We won't bow, we won't operate in the way of Babylon. Right. And we'll live here, but we're gonna still live faithful to God. And that's not that's not no. about marching and saying, well, we're not going to do it. I mean, if you look at the way that, especially the the giant statue thing is is laid out, it's kind of um, uh, ambiguous. Like, there's no real details given of the statue right. or the statue. Like, that's on purpose. But if you you know you're reading before and you're reading about this big statue that Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of, and it symbolizes his kingdom and his power, and it's all about Babylon. It's like, okay. Don't worship the ways of Babylon. Right. And so here, conversely, we have uh, a significant number of, I, I guess I'll say evangelicals. Yeah. Because that's the political term that's being used. Yeah. There's a study that just came out that shows that evangelical doesn't mean religious anymore. It now means just politically conservative. Yeah. There's no difference between someone who considers himself an evangelical and someone who considers themselves a political conservative. Right. I so you have this, this group of people rejecting the words of Jesus and instead choosing to take a kingdom by force, which is what Jesus said, do not do. That's what the entire biblical narrative the whole story says, is literally about this. Do not do resist that temptation because that's what we naturally the want to do. The whole story. People are created to be co-rulers with God. That's that's what happens in the garden. God says, hey, I've made this, but I want you to rule on my behalf. Two options, rule like I would or rule the way that you think is best. And the rest of the story is that. And that sets up the story of the kingdom of God versus Babylon. And Babylon becomes a picture for every every worldly power empire throughout history. It, Babylon is Babylon, it's Syria, it's Egypt, it's Rome. It's us. It's us. And like this, we have the choice of, okay, do we rule in the ways of Babylon, which is worldly power, violence, force, convince, like get people to. It's the it, Pax it, Romana. It, it, it is. It is. It's like, well, because, you know, that, that verse in um, Jeremiah, we just talked about, seek the good of the city, seek its peace and prosperity. And people who are maybe on board with stuff like the Jericho March, hey, that's exactly what we're doing. We're seeking the peace and prosperity but it's peace and prosperity that only comes through forcing the way of God onto people, which is not the way of God, right. which is what the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome was. Yeah, there was peace in Rome. You know why? Because Rome would kill you if there wasn't peace. Because like that, that's why Rome like did mass crucifixions to terrify everybody into there being peace. That's not true peace. That, that, that's, again, that's the difference between the kingdom of God 
in Babylon. And that's, that's what we're seeing. And, and for some reason, it's like Christian, like certain Christians think we're exempt from being a part of that. It's like, I think we're, we're more tempted to be a part of that because we convince ourselves into thinking, no, we're God's people. We're on God's side. So we, it's like no matter what, the ends always justify the means. Mm -hmm. We think if we can because God, God told me. Yeah, because well, yeah, God told me if we can forcefully take a nation back, if we can make people bow to Jesus, well, then the ends justify the means. It's like, right. no, the, the ends never justify the means. Like, ever. Right. I, I was trying to find the quote, and I couldn't find it here. Um, I think it was... I'm not even going to say who I thought it was, because I'm probably wrong. Um, but basically, this person said that while Trump is still president and still has unprecedented power that it. he should okay um well for, there's a section right before where there's a pastor speaking and he said and this and this speaks directly to us and our we're trying to pastor we're trying to pastor in uh, sometimes a difficult situation because of what so many have been brought up thinking christianity is um but he said real pastors lead their flock into battle and he wasn't speaking metaphorically. This pastor denounced the separation of church and state, um, saying, what is the separation of church and state, he sneered. Uh, this was truly extraordinary, the conflation of shedding of blood, seizing the government, and serving God. Um, and then he goes on to say, uh, you know, another speaker got up and said, called for Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act to drop the hammer on traitors. He said that Trump should uh, know that the militia is with him, um, and he said, let's get on it now while Trump is still the commander in chief. The man demanded that the U.S. president invoke extraordinary powers to punish his political enemies and that Christians form militias to support him. That's not the way of Jesus. I mean, if, if you haven't gotten that yet, I don't, I don't know. Cause this, this looks nothing like Jesus. And so if this is what you think Christians are, this is anything but Christianity. Um, that, that's my biggest concern in this whole thing. Um, is, is, the, is the view and the version of Jesus that those who aren't Christians are getting because of this. Right. Like that, that's, I'm just like, oh. mm. and Christians who have so much hope in this stuff, like, you know, the reason that we're fighting so hard for this is because there's a deep-seated fear that if we don't win, what will happen? And it's like, okay, so who do you really trust? Right. Like, who do you really trust? Because what has history taught us? Nations rise and nations fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something. I don't remember what it was. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's interesting um, and again, so much of it comes from your perspective. And I, I told you this before we, we started recording. It's like, I wish every American Christian could spend a year getting um, all of their, whatever, like their Christian input. So sermons and, and books and readings and everything for a whole year from someone that was not an American. Like read a Christian authors and, and theologians and pastors that are from other countries because it's so hard to see this when we've been so baked into this idea basically that America is God's special land um, and we own the corner on you know theology and the right way to view God and everything. It's so it's so hard to, to see out of this. Um, man, because it's it's not the way of Jesus, but 
I, I truly can understand how people think that it would be. Yeah. Cause there was a, probably a long time in my life where I thought it would have been. Um, what's, in, <laughs> what's interesting is, uh, kind of the, my church growing up experience very much combined, you know, America, Christian, Jesus, like all that together, conservatism, all that together. And what, <laughs> what mostly broke me of that was going, going to college and not be like, see, it's a, them colleges, they corrupt your mind. I went to a Christ, like a conservative Christian college. <laughs> And got my degree in Christian ministry. It's like it's when it's when I actually really started studying the Bible that you begin to realize, wait, this isn't what we've been this isn't what we've been taught. Right. And there is another issue. I think there's a lot of American Christians that don't really know their Bibles that well. Outside of like devotional snippets that I filter through my American centric context and yep. my politics. Um well, I feel like we need to wrap it up, Phil. I'm not ready to wrap it up. You're not? Okay. I'm so angry. Actually, I know you I'm are. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm mad, but I'm more, I don't know, heartbroken. I thought there was one more thing I wanted to say, and we kind of got off on a tangent. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but just this kind of thinking. And listen, this is not new to us. This has been the pull of God's people throughout history. This has been the pull. Or this or was the pull of the nation of Israel was to do. Th- this is why. Well, we want a king, like all the other nations have a king. Like, no, God is your king. No, like, well, whenever we're and we have like mm-hmm. with trouble, what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to run and make an alliance with Egypt or whatever. It's like, well, no, no, no. Like, this is this is the pull. This is this was the pull in the early church for a couple like for first three hundred years. It was good, and it was no king but Jesus. Like that. The the, I, the statement that Jesus is Lord to say that in the first century was simultaneously saying that Caesar is not right, um, and that kind of all began to shift and change with Constantine. <laughs> Constantine had a vision. Did anybody that check did. Constantine's vision? Probably not, because he was you know the emperor. You don't check what the emperor says. He has a vision. He has a dream, and in this dream, supposedly he saw uh, a cross and heard this message. In this, like in this symbol or in this name, you conquer, and so supposedly that was why Constantine became a Christian. And then all that happened from there on out was the Roman Empire didn't become Christian. Right. The Roman Empire continued to do what the Roman Empire did. They just slapped the name Jesus on it. Right. And that's what we've continued to do throughout centuries. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're, we're wanting to fight in the ways, again, of Babylon, of worldly power, and we want to slap the name Jesus on it. And Jesus' invitation is, you know, come and die. Come die to yourself. Die to what you want. Die to this pursuit of power. Give up everything. Follow me and embrace the ways of my kingdom because it's better than anything that this world could offer. Yeah. I'm, and that's... That's our message to you today yeah. is to come follow Jesus and in doing so declare that he is no, he is Lord, not the Jericho March, not Trump, and, not Biden. Yeah, I was saying not, but not Jesus. It's, it's not the political left either because a lot of people are going to hear that. They're going to hear us railing against, you know, something like the Jericho March and say, well, what? You're just woke. You woke pastors. You crazy left woke pastors. It's like, well, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> that's... Because that's going too far the other way. I, I love what, uh, man, if, if you want to talk about political engagement um, from a Christian perspective, you should be listening to stuff from the And campaign. 
is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. But he has this, they do this church politics podcast and he ends everyone by saying something along like, there, there is a cross that neither political conservatism or progressivism is fit to carry. And like, that's where we're at. And so this isn't about one side or another. It's the minute that you choose one side or another, you've already failed. Yeah. That, that's, that's the problem. So follow Jesus, man. Yep. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Thanks for, uh, for bearing with us today. Uh, if you have any comments or questions about this, keep them to you yourself. Can, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can send us uh, an email at info at hopecommunityonline.org or if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and comment below. And we'll see you back here next week. Have a great week.